0: Your chains are gone. When Christ died on the cross, he broke your chains. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. And that's what we've been talking about as we've been traveling through the book of Galatians over the last three weeks. And today we're on part four. And, and so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how Paul wrote the letter or the book of Galatians with an attitude. He, he was upset. He was angry um, with a holy anger. He, he had gone to the, the region of Galatia and he preached the purest form of the gospel. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and that because he died on the cross and was raised from the grave, raised from the dead, we can now be in a right standing with God, that we can now be in a relationship with God. Before the cross, the Bible says we were enemies of God, and after the cross and after the grave, we are now friends of God, right? So, so we've been talking about how our relationship with God, with God is based on what Christ has done and the faith that we put in Christ, Period not anything else you were made right because of what christ did and you were made right when you put your faith in christ and you received his grace and you are now in a right relationship with with god amen and so paul preached that gospel in galatia and then the jewish believers came behind him and they said well, you know paul's great paul did some good things but let me tell you there's a few other things you might need to do you might need to have circumcision you might need to, to to keep this law, and you might need to observe this day, and, and all these things. So they wanted to add to the gospel. And so what happened was, is the chains that Paul preached off of them were getting placed back on them by religious people. Amen? Amen. To me, religion is one of the dirtiest forms of, of, of demonism, or whatever you want to call it. It's one of the dirtiest, low-down forms of... You know what I'm saying, right? Because it's subtle. Religion comes at you and it kind of sneaks up at your back door. And it adds a little bit of this. And it adds a little bit of that. You ever sneak up behind somebody and slip something in their pocket? Or maybe you was at school and somebody came up behind you and they patted you on the back and they had a kick me sign next to it. I mean, and they, and they, they taped a kick me sign. And so then all of a sudden everybody's kicking you. Anybody ever did that? Please don't let me know I was the only one that ever did that. But it's as if somebody comes up behind you and they attach all these things to you and it ends up weighing you down and it makes this relationship with God difficult. When it was never intended to be difficult. Why would God, the the creator of the earth and the heavens and you want to make a relationship with you more difficult than it already is? Why would he want to make it hard? Why would he want to make it impossible? He wouldn't. You don't make your relationship with your children hard, right? Or at least you shouldn't be. <laughs> and if you're here this morning, we'll pray for you. But So Paul was upset because somebody came and added something to what he had been preaching. And so he opens up the book. He just goes straight at the people of Galatians. Like, who fooled you? Who tricked you? Who put this thing on you? And that's his attitude. So as you read the book of Galatians, which I hope you've been doing with us, I challenged you a couple weeks ago to read it. Through Read the whole book every week together as a church. And something incredible happens when we do that. And so I encourage you to do that again this week. Read all six chapters of Galatians this week. Read a chapter a day. Keep the devil away. <laughs> so today we're in part four. And I want to talk to you about slaves versus sons. And, and when I read chapter four, there was something I underlined a while back when I was having a quiet time in Galatians before we even started the series. And it's down in verse 19 of chapter 4. And I just want to start with this. It says this. It says, oh, my dear children. It's Paul speaking. He says, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. Come on, mama. You ever felt that way with your teenagers? <laughs> I feel like I'm going through labor pains again. Lord Jesus, would you get Right. <laughs> Paul says he feels like he's going through labor pains again. And they will continue, watch this, until Christ is fully developed in your lives. And there's something rich right there. Paul basically came to the understanding that I'm going to be with these people and I'm going to be laboring with them and I'm going to have to preach again. I'm going to have to bring the gospel again and I'm going to have to encourage and I'm going to have to cast out devils and I'm going to have to keep on keeping on until the fullness of Christ is developed inside of them. That's called spiritual maturity. Right? I think sometimes we get caught up in giving up on people too quick. Some people develop slower than others, right? Some of your kids hit puberty before other kids did. Some of the, sometimes you just develop slower. But we all need somebody to place a little bit of foot on our action. <laughs> right? We all need a little bit of pressure at times. Right? We need somebody to kind of give us a little bump and a little push. That's so what the Bible says you're here for. You're here to encourage one another. It actually says to spur one another along you know what a spur does, right? Spur places a point in the hindquarters of the horse to get it to giddy up. If you love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. So Paul's basically saying to the church, I'm going to be laboring for you until the fullness of Christ is developed in you. Why was he saying that? Because he realized that when he preached the gospel and they gave their lives to Jesus in the purest form of the gospel Somebody else was able to come in and because they weren't mature enough, somebody else was able to come in and attach something to them. You getting this? So what he's basically saying is that until you realize who you are in Christ, I'm going to be with you reminding you. Because you got an enemy and you got neighbors and you got family and friends that are going to remind you that you're not. We, we don't need to ask anybody else to help us remember who we're not, right? we don't need any more enemies, right? So let's go to the Galatians. I want to start in chapter 3, verse 26. And I want to nail this down and you got to get this, for you are, are for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. The faith that you put in Jesus made you a child of God. Amen. So then Go to with me to chapter four, starting at verse four of Galatians. It says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy our freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Amen? Christ came and bought our freedom and his spirit is inside of us and it prompts us to cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit of God that is inside of you is prompting you in your relationship with Jesus. That's why when you go through hell and high water and you go through hard times or you slip and you mess up, there's always something inside of you. And you know this is true. There's always something in there that's just kind of it's, it's, it's giving you this unction to kind of go back to God and to cry out, God, please forgive me, Lord, help me, whatever it is. There's always something there. That's the Spirit of God inside of you prompting you to cry out, Abba, Father. And all you got to do is listen to it. (laughs) Right? Sometimes you don't know what to pray. Sometimes it's just a simple help. Right? Lord, I need help. So we're talking about Slaves versus sons. Look at the end of that verse. It says, and since you are, are his child, God has made you his heir. Say heir. He's made you his heir. Let me, let me define that word for you real quick. I love, I love these two different versions of the definition. It says, an heir is a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another on that person's death. And then this one, a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of. Of a predecessor. That's what an heir is. Oh, that's what an heir is. Some of you haven't had anybody die to leave you anything, and you've never been an heir to anything. And some of you have been. And and if you were like me, you've had some things stolen from you when you were an heir, and you had some things that were given to you undeservedly because you were an heir. Amen. And so we're talking about slaves versus sons, and God says that because you're my child, you are now an heir of God so let's look at a couple of things that a slave is versus what a son is the first thing we see that a slave has a master when the son has a father the slave has a master the son has a father you see the difference there's one one sees god as a master and the other one sees god as a son and the question is is how do you see god today how what is your perception of god today is he a taskmaster to you is he, do you see God as someone who's just concerned about how you do and what you do? Or do you see him as a father who genuinely loves you and cares for you? Now, the trick in all this and the thing we got to be careful of is that most of us have had fathers in our lives that don't measure up to God. So our, 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 our image and our, our memory of a father is a bit skewed. You see, I, my father was not around. I didn't meet him until I was 18 years old. I didn't know what it was to have a father until I was in my 30s. And God restored our relationship. And then I was like, man, this, this father thing, father-son thing's pretty cool. Of course, we were both old enough that we went somewhere. Everybody thought we were brothers. So I missed out. <laughs> but I had, to, I had to kind of build a bridge and get over that. Because that was my, that was my crutch. That was the thing I used to feel sorry for myself was I never had a daddy around, right? So it kept me in this place of I can't have a relationship with God because I never had a relationship with my daddy, right? So listen to me, despite what your father was like, you can still have a relationship with God the Father. And if you don't know how to do that, you just show up. Every day, just show up. I remember when Virginia, when Cheryl was pregnant for Virginia, and this thing hit me. I got the old shoots in the spirit. I went, oh, shoot, I've never been a daddy before. I never had an example of a daddy. I got scared. I got on my knees, and I cried out to God. I was like, God, you you time out, God. You can't give me a baby. I don't don't know what to do with this. I, I never had a daddy. I he's tired of me saying, I never had a daddy. That was my excuse, right? I don't know how to raise a kid. I never had a daddy. You know what he said to me? Just do what I do to you to them. Doesn't that just simplify? Just do what I do to you to them. Just treat them like I treat you. You see, the enemy wants to make it complicated, right? He wants to remind you of how how low down and dirty of a dad you had. And he always wants to keep that in front of you so that you can always feel sorry for yourself and you can always have an excuse. One day you need to get tired of that and push that out the way and stop accepting that excuse and just accept God as the father. And say, "Lord, I don't know how to be a son, but if you'll teach me, I'll be a son or a daughter, Right? You see, your perception of God has everything to do with how you live for God. If you see God as a taskmaster, then you, you focus on what I'm doing and my do's and don'ts in the relationship. And you think that by my do's and don'ts, he either loves me or doesn't love me because he's a taskmaster and he only cares about my task. But when you see him as a father, come on somebody, when you see him as a father, it has nothing to do with your task. It has everything to do with the relationship. You're a son because he's your father. And and your bond is this relationship. Not what you do and what you don't do. Right? You know what that means? That means that when you blow it and you go too far, you're welcome back at any moment. Whereas when you see him as a taskmaster and you blow it, you feel like you've got to do all these good works to take care of the bad works so that I can get back into the relationship. The problem is you never catch up. Because I don't know about you, but I fall every day. A slave sees or has a master, a son has a father. Watch what it says in Romans chapter 8. And I highly encourage you to study this portion of Scripture. I had some great revelation from Romans 8, especially 15 through 17. And we're going to go over those here right now. But I, just, I want you to study these and get a revelation from this. But Romans 8, 15 to 16 says this. So you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now that he's adopted you as his own children, we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now, I don't know if you saw that Mack truck just fly by, but uh, it just flew by. Watch this. You've been adopted as his child. Everybody everybody, believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that. Okay, most of you. He's adopted us as his children, and we now call him Abba Father. In other words, we've been given the right to call him Father. That's big. Okay. You don't have to call him the big, great God in the sky anymore. You can call him father. Why? Because you now have a relationship, right? Watch this. God, oh, sorry, says this. Abba, Father, for his spirit, his spirit joins with my spirit and affirms me that I am his child. I'm going to let that marinate for a minute. Most of us want affirmation from people. Come on, somebody. You love it when people butter your bread, right? And they talk good. Oh, you look like you lost some weight, (laughs) right? You all up in the affirmation. You like your tank is full. And then they say, oh man, you played so good today, man. You do such good work, man. You're a good person. Right? We love that affirmation. Nick. bring it on. Tell me good things. Come on. Right? The problem with affirmation from men is that it don't last long. Because there's another cool that's coming around the corner that's going to tell you what you did wrong. Right? One affirms you, the other one, I guess, deaffirms you or whatever that word would be. Unaffirms you. Anyway, it's a struggle because you're looking for affirmation, right? And so the struggle in the relationship with with God is that you remember who you are. So the Bible says that His Spirit joins with your spirit and it brings this affirmation that you are a child of God. So real affirmation comes by, by the Spirit, not by the flesh. This is good stuff. His Spirit. Loves you enough to join with your spirit and to continually whisper to you, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. When you fall and you blow it, you're a child of God. Get back up. When you go too far, come on, you can come back. You're a child of God. That's the spirit of God joining with your spirit, bringing affirmation. Quit looking for it from men and start receiving it from the spirit. Affirmation is a spiritual thing. It's not a flesh thing. You don't need man's affirmation. You need God's affirmation. Because when God says that you're his son or his daughter, it don't matter what other people say. Right? And when you got to know this, when he says that, he's saying that simply because of the relationship and not because you accidentally did something right. heard that chains falling off affirmation is a spiritual thing so you know what that means as a as a believer as a child of god all i gotta do is just keep stirring up the spirit right that's why this walk with god is a spiritual thing right that's why the bible constantly says to stir up the spirit focus on things in the heavenlies not on things right here why because you need to stir up your spirit so so what happens when you don't feel like a child or you don't feel like God's son or daughter what do you need to do you just need to stir up the things of the spirit come on he gave you his holy spirit use it use it let his spirit affirm your spirit Stir up the things in the spirit. Pray. Sing. Read the word. Pray in tongues as much as you can. Amen? Stir those things up. Why? Because you've got an enemy that's constantly telling you you're a low-down, dirty dog. But you've got a God and a spirit that lives inside of you that's saying you're a child of God. You're an heir of God. You belong. Don't let nobody tell you you don't belong. I'm going to tell you something. When you get a hold of this and you get some revelation of this, this is going to change you. It's going to change you. That's what Paul was talking about when he said that, I'm gonna labor for you until you receive the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm going to stick with you and I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to breathe life into you and I'm going to cast out devils and I'm going to stir things up in the spirit. Why? Because you need to understand the fullness of Christ. It's time to get past your problems and get into the relationship. So, a slave has a master, the son has a father. The second thing we see is, is the slave is an employee, the son is an heir. The slave is an employee, the son is an heir. Watch verse 17 in, in Romans 8. This is the, the one you need to get because this is big. I'm reading it from the New King James. It says this, and if you're a child or if you're children, then you're heirs, heirs of God, right? That's what Galatians just said, that you're now an heir of God because you're a child of God. Watch this last piece. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Some versions say co-heirs with Christ. That means that you've been brought into the same status, the same ranking, the same position, the same place where Christ is. Oh, you're going to have a hard time with some of you having a hard time with that because your religion's kicking your tail right now. You say, oh, What do you mean? I'm, a, I'm equal to Christ? I'm saying you're a joint heir with Christ. In other words, everything that's available to Christ is available to you. Everything that's been given to him has already been given to you. The problem is is the receiving. You're a joint heir with Christ. Many of you have heard my story of, of my inheritances over the years. Quick version for those of you that haven't heard it. My grandmother died, and she had 10 kids, and now six were living, and there were some other grandkids. And I went down to Franklin when I heard that she died. I went down there and the Lord told me on the way down there, you're going to preach her funeral and this and that. And all that just magically happened. But I'm I'm just hanging out at my uncle's house and I know that my uncles and my one aunt have a meeting with the life insurance guy. And so I'm just chilling out thinking, okay, after the meeting, I'll hang out with my uncle. Well, they go to their meeting and then they call me and they say, hey, you got to come over. I'm like, for what? I don't know. The insurance guy says you have to be here. I'm like, huh? Just just come on, we'll see what he has to say. Oh, okay. So I walk into the room. All my uncles, I'll never forget, all my uncles are sitting at the table. My aunt's standing against the wall. It's five brothers and one sister. The insurance guy's over here, and I'm standing here against the wall. And the guy goes, Miss Bertha had an insurance policy worth $22,000, and she left it to Liz, my aunt, and to Jamie, a grandson bypassed the five brothers. You should have felt the tension in that room. Here's the thing. I had no idea I was an heir to my grandmother. I had no clue what was coming to me. Instantly, one of my uncles stands up and he goes, well, y'all gonna throw that in a pot and split that with the rest of us, huh? And I'll be honest with you, I was shaking. You gotta know my uncle's. Ain't many people I'm afraid of, but I was scared. Instantly, my aunt goes, because she knew him, she goes, heck no. (laughs) She didn't say that nicely. And I was like, "Uh, uh, 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 yeah, yeah. I'll split it. And in a moment of fear, I gave up my inheritance. Now, when I told my pastor about that, he rebuked me. One of the best rebukes I ever got. Because later on, couple months down the road, we sold some property. And they called me in. And I just didn't get my mama's portion. I got my mama's and my other uncle's portion that already passed away. I got double portioned. And the same uncle stood up and said, you're going to throw that in the pot and split it, huh? (laughs) I was ready this time. I said, no, Jack. I ain't splitting nothing. And they looked at me like I was crazy. I ain't splitting nothing. This is mine. Right? I had a revelation of what it meant to be an heir. Because here's the thing. You don't deserve to be an heir of God. And you definitely don't deserve to be a joint heir with Christ. And so there's nothing that you can do in your own human strength to put yourself in that position as a joint heir with Christ. You were given that freely. It was paid for by the blood of Jesus. And because of the blood of Jesus and his resurrection out of the grave, you were then given the right to be an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. So, do you know what that means? That means that you're going to suffer like Christ suffered. <laughs> you see, I set you up. <laughs> you're going to suffer. With Christ, like Christ suffered, you're going to suffer. So, hello, you need to just expect it that as a Christian, as a believer, as a child of God, you're going to suffer. But you're also, you're also going to bask in the glory. Because, <laughs> you see, the God's plan is that if you're going to suffer with me, you're going to party with me. Right? So, the Bible says... That you're a joint heir with Christ. That anything that he has is yours. It's available to you. It's already been given to you. All you got to do is take it. You remember the story of the prodigal son when the older brother came and found out that his daddy threw a party for the younger son? He got mad, right? Why did he get mad? He got mad because the, the son that went and wasted everything came home and the daddy threw a party. And he's, he's boudin' feeling sorry for himself. And I believe this is most of the church. Most of the church is feeling sorry for themselves. And they're mad at God. And they're like, why you didn't throw a party for me? And the father turns around and says, everything I've had is yours. Why you didn't crank the party up yourself? Because here's the truth. The beginning of that story, the father split his, his everything that he owned. He split it between the two sons. The older son already had his portion, but he never used it. He never enjoyed it. And I believe as children of God, we miss it more than we get it. That should bring some kind of authority to you. That should bring some kind of confidence to you. That should be screaming at you right now to get past your penny ante problems and to press on with God. Because you're already healed. You're already forgiven. You've been already put back together. All you got to do is receive it. Walk in it. Live it. Christ already died on the cross. It's already done. He can't do anything else. It's already been given to you. You just got to receive it, kick the devil in the butt, and live life with it. Amen? Don't let him steal it from you anymore. Don't let him convince you that you're no good. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Live like one. Good so far? The third thing we see is a slave is driven by duty and a son is driven by devotion. (laughs) One is driven by duty and the other is driven by devotion. You see, it should never feel like a duty. Amen? Watch what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. You remember the story of Martha and Mary? It says, And Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. So Mary sits at Jesus' feet. She just enjoys the presence of Jesus. She just loves the relationship with Jesus. She's just basking in Jesus' presence. Watch this. Her sister, but Martha, was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus. (laughs) Can you believe this? She comes to Jesus. She says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like that when somebody just gave their life to Jesus and they're walking around free indeed and just having a good time in Jesus's presence and they don't seem to have any problems and the sun just seems to always shine on them? And don't you ever get jealous of that? Kind of go, what's up with that, Lord? Why the sun ain't shining on me no more? Why I don't get that front row parking spot at Walmart anymore? (laughs) You ever felt like that? She goes whining to Jesus. Listen, don't go whining to Jesus. It's not smart. Tell her to come and help me. (laughs) But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary discovered it and it will be not, it will not be taken away from her. (laughs) That's preaching to all you workaholics, all you people that got to have everything. I'm preaching to you this morning. Let that down. Don't let that get in the way of sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus. There's a time for that, and God made you like that, and there's nothing wrong with being like that. You just got to know when to put that down. Because that becomes an idol. <laughs> I'm stepping on some toes this morning. Woo! You detailed people don't like me right now. That's okay. I'm just trying to help you. Put that down. What Jesus said to Mary was, was put, to Martha, was put that down. And when it's time, you come sit at the feet of Jesus and you enjoy his presence. And the funny thing is, is that work that you're trying to worry about and those details, it just mysteriously gets done. You even got a hard time with that. You say, ain't nobody doing it but me. And if I didn't do it, ain't nobody ever going to do it. And I know how it is. I feel you. Listen to me. If it ever starts feeling like a duty, if it ever starts feeling like a, a task, this relationship with God, if it ever starts feeling burdensome, You just need to stop. You need to stop and you need to realign your spirit. You need to remind yourself of who you are in Christ. I'm a child of God. You may need to look in the mirror and preach to yourself. That is perfectly fine. Amen. You may need to draw back for a minute and get up in the spirit and pray and do whatever you do. Amen. Watch what Galatians says in in verse 8 and 9. It says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? Think about it. Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, gave you freedom, gave you right standing with God. Now, why in the world are you trying to make it complicated and go back to all these other things that don't even exist? We're serving and worshiping gods that don't even exist. We're letting our work get in the way. Preach, preacher. We're letting things get in the way. Paul's telling them, he says, don't become slaves to these weak and useless spiritual principles of this world anymore. Don't go back. Stay in the freedom. Stay in the relationship. Right? Just stay in the relationship. So how do we stay in this relationship? How do we live in this relationship with God? I want to give you three points and I'm going to close it out. The first thing you got to do is you got to see God as a father. Number one, see God as a father. You need to change your perception of God. You need to change how you see him. And if you're having a problem changing that, you need to pray and ask for help. Because I promise you, he is there to help you see him differently. Forget about your past. The only thing that ever reminds you of your past is the devil. Right? Because in God's eyes, you don't even have a past. Right. Go forward into the relationship. Lord, help me to see you as a father. I don't know what it means to do that. Lord, I don't know what that looks like. However you need to pray, pray and ask God to help you. Matthew 7, 9 and 11 says this. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? You came in here today, some of you, and you, you came in here seeing God as a taskmaster and you've seen him as a master and not a father. And let me tell you something, that's okay, but you just don't need to leave that way. What I just read says that if you ask like a good father, he will give it to you. Right. He's going to give it to you. Number two, approach God through relationship, not rules. Not rules. Approach God through relationship, not rules. John five thirty nine to 40 says this. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. You can't come to Christ and you can't come to God in this relationship by your intellect and by studying the scriptures. You come to him in relationship, not by rules. You don't get close to God by the do's and don'ts. You get close to God because of the relationship. Amen. So you got to learn how to approach God. You got to you got to get some boldness in you. The Bible says that you can boldly enter the throne room you can boldly come into the presence of god you know what that means that means confidence that means belonging that means i i got a place in here this is my home i'm gonna see my daddy it's like this i can be in my office in a counseling session and somebody can be crying their eyes out and if my kids need something but don't hey dad Oh. Uh, Hey Dad, listen. Can I can I have popsicle? <laughs> How do you go to the Father? Do you go like a whip puppy? Lord, no, I'm serious. Some of you pray this way, Lord. I know. Now, I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. Um, can you help me? Don't do that. Because you know what you're saying to him? I've forgotten who I am. I forgot what you did for me. I forgot that we got a bond and a relationship here. I forgot my place. I forgot that I'm an heir, a joint heir with Christ. I forgot that I belong. You come back in. The Bible says come back in. Don't hesitate. Don't be bashful. Enter and approach God with boldness. Why? With boldness. Because you have confidence of who you are. Approach God through relationship, not rules. The third way we live in this relationship with God is to give God my whole heart. Give him your whole heart. (laughs) Sounds good, doesn't it? Just give God your whole heart. Let that just roll off the tongue and into the ears nice and just give God your whole heart. Come on, can we do that? Can we just give God our whole heart today? Just give him your whole heart. Can I be honest with you? That's not easy. You know why? Because I want mine. Because I still got 300-something pounds of flesh to deal with. And you feeling sorry for yourself. There's a whole lot of me to deal with. that don't want to give whole heart to nothing. Right? It's not easy. Watch what the Bible says in Jeremiah. This will set you free. Jeremiah 29, 13 to 14 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. You know what that was? That was permission. That was permission. Was there any strings attached to that? That was simple permission that if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. So you've heard me say over the past and you've heard maybe Pastor Bubba say this, that you're as close to God as you want to be. (laughs) That's true. The enemy wants you to believe you're not a child, but the spirit is bringing affirmation. Let the spirit bring affirmation that you are a child of God and you're an heir of God and you're a joint heir with Christ. Why? Because you're a son and a daughter, not a slave. Not a slave. I was brainwashed by religion that I had to do and don't for God to love me, and that was a lie from the pit of hell. That was people putting chains on me as a kid, that my performance equals my position. And that's not true. My position determines my performance. Oh, I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I just <laughs> I was like, "Dang, this is good." I was sitting there going, "Man, this is this is good." You know, sometimes you get something, you go, "This is good," and y'all just y'all just look like you missed it. I mean, this is all good. Sometimes we think our performance determines our position with God, but it's our position with God that determines our performance. In other words, I love God. And I do for God and I do what the Bible says because I love God. Right. Not because I'm trying to get closer to him, not because I'm trying to earn something, not because I'm trying to get him to smile on me or anything like that. I'm doing it just because I'm loved. Mm-hmm. See, there's a difference between somebody that realizes they're loved and somebody that doesn't. Some of you were like me. You had to get away from the house to realize what you had. Yeah. Right? Sometimes you don't realize how much God loves you until you get away from him. You're always welcome home. So I'm going to get the worship team to come up. I'm going to get a little altar time this morning. I want you to stand up with me. Because I believe that this changed something. Because here's the thing, relationship changes everything. Relationship changes everything. When you go from being a slave to a son, it changes everything in your life. It changes everything. You see life differently. You see people differently. You have this newfound compassion and this new energy to just go and set other people free. You see, I couldn't stand here today and preach this if I never received this. I got this three years ago. Romans 8 was three or four years ago. I sat at in my, in my desk and I cried my eyes out because I realized for the first time in my life that I'm a son and not a slave. That God loves me because I'm Jamie Tyler. And by faith, I gave my life to Jesus. And that's why I'm accepted. That's why I'm loved. That's why he shines on me. That's why I'm an heir. It's because of who I am, not what I am. Amen? So I just want to pray for you this morning. And as I'm praying, if you need to come to the altar and you need to drop some chains or maybe you need to get rid of some stuff, maybe you've been carrying a burden. And you realize this morning, you know what? I ain't supposed to be carrying this thing. Maybe this relationship with God has become burdensome and dutiful, Lord. And you you just feel tired. That's you this morning. I just encourage you to come to the altars and just, just drop those chains and just come up here and and just pray and ask God to take this from you and just release it to him. Maybe you've been locked up in religion and rules and regulations and, and it's the do's and don'ts that you've been focusing on more than a relationship. If that's you this morning, come up here and leave that at the altar. Maybe you've been here, maybe you're here today and you've been struggling and it just seems like this relationship with God is up and down and all around and it never gets settled and it never gets consistent. And If that's you this morning, I just want you to come to the altar. Just say, Lord, I want to be in the place, Lord. I want to know that I know. I want to have boldness and I want to have courage and I want to be able to approach you the right way, Lord. Not out of fear, but out of faith. Lord, I just pray for this church this morning, Father, as these altars are open and, and invitations has been given to come and to just drop things and leave things here. I just pray for this church, Lord. I pray for every one of us, Father. Lord, I just pray for consistency in the relationship. Lord, I pray that we would know, that we know, that we know, that we know that we're children of God. And because we put our faith in you, Jesus, by grace, we've been made children of God, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. God, put, you put us in a position we didn't deserve. You put us in a place we couldn't earn. You gave us things that we could never work for. Lord, for those of us that have been like the prodigal's older brother, and all we want to do is just complain about what you're doing for other people, Lord. I pray that we'll repent. And I pray that, Lord, we'll, we'll just come into your throne room. We'll come into your pantry. We'll just possess the inheritance that you've given us. Lord, we'll enjoy the party. We'll enjoy the life. Just pray that over this church, Lord, this morning. Father, touch us. Right now, Lord, just set people free. Right now, Father. In the name of Jesus, be free. Religious chains leave in the name of Jesus. Religious demons leave in the name of Jesus. Strongholds leave in the name of Jesus. It's not by the name of Jamie, but it's by the name of Jesus. Lord, freedom come in the name of Jesus. Sonship and daughtership come in the name of Jesus. That slave mentality, leave in the name of Jesus. I declare these people free from rules and religion and regulations. Free, Lord. Free to enjoy this life that you've given them. Free to enjoy your presence, Lord. I just pray that it would be like Mary, Lord. We would learn to sit at your feet and put our head on your chest, Lord, and hear you breathe and hear you speak to us. Right now, Lord, just freedom over this church. Freedom, Lord. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from bondages. Freedom from past sins. Freedom from past hurts and wounds. For those of us that didn't have a good father, Lord, I just pray freedom from that excuse. And, Lord, it wouldn't be an excuse anymore, Lord, but it would be something that propels us to go deeper with you and to learn how to be a son and to learn how to love a father. That Lord, it wouldn't be an excuse. It would be an invitation to come in boldly, Lord. So I pray against that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Freedom, Lord. Set the captives free, Lord. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed, and we thank you for it, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we're free, free from the law, free from sin and death. We've been given life, life abundantly, Lord, and we thank you for that, and we bless you for that, and we celebrate you for that, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to earn it, we don't have to work for it, we don't have to be good or bad, Lord, we, just can, we can just be who you've wanted us to be. Help us to receive that, and we thank you for that, Father. Thank you that you didn't make it complicated. Thank you for your word in Jeremiah, that, Lord, if we come after you wholeheartedly, you will be found by us. Pray for these folks this morning, Lord, that as they come after you wholeheartedly, you'll be found. You'll be found, Lord. Thank you for that.